I was asked the same question three times this week, which I take as a simon min that I meant to give an answer. And the question is, we know that when it comes to tzaddikim, so we know Hashem is very exacting. And therefore, even the slightest avera, the slightest mistake of a tzaddik, is highlighted. We know HaKadosh Baruch Hu is medactic with tzaddikim kuchot asayra. And therefore, we had a few weeks ago, Two words Abraham Avinu said, said, How do I know that the Jewish people are going to be Zeichem Merit Yisrael? And because of that, so to speak, he was foretold of the entire goddess Mitzrayim. And if that's the case about Tzadikim, then it's very strange that when it comes to Rishayim, we find a very different manner of dealing with them. And if, it were, if we could say it in such words, the Torah seems extremely forgiving. The Torah overlooks major averis that the Rishayim are It doesn't even mention them. And the question is why? For example, at the beginning of this week's parasha, we know of a particularly bad day in Esav's life. A day that he was over on murder, on Gilu Arayis, Kfira, and the Torah doesn't mention a word of that. The Torah just tells us that the Eitzv came from the field that he was tired. And we could rightly think that he was tired because he was hunting. There's no allusion to the actual acts of depravity that Eitzv was involved in. Why is it? Why is it that the Torah doesn't, so to speak, focus on the various of the Rishon. And I think the answer is like this. When the Torah, so to speak, presents to us one of the personalities that lived at the time, it's not just for the historical narrative. There were many other people who lived in the eras, in the centuries that the Torah covers and aren't even mentioned. This is an example. We know that Eov lived at the time of, he was an advisor to Parash, and the Torah doesn't even mention his name. So when the Torah does choose, so to speak, to discuss a certain personality, it's there to teach us a lesson. And if the person we're talking about was the Tzaddik, then it's there to show us how to grow. It's there to guide us and to teach us how we can emulate the tzaddik. And if that's the case, even the smallest mistake the tzaddik makes is highlighted because it's for, to teach us what we are meant to learn from and what pitfalls to avoid. But the Torah describes Rishoyim as well. There's a Lavan and there's a Korach and there's a Bilam and there's an Esav. And the Torah's purpose in discussing Rishoyim is to teach us of those underlying traits, those underlying faults within the human personality that can drag a person to the incredible depths that these people fell to. 
whether it was Karaf's jealousy, for example, whether it was Lavan's trickery. So the Torah shows us as by means through the example of the Rishayim the Torah describes how far a person can fall. And if that's the case, what's important for the Torah to teach us is what's the primary, so to speak, bad middah that this Rasha exhibited and what's the middah which led to his fall, which led to his undoing. And that's what the Torah will focus on. Whereas the Averis he does, the Torah doesn't have to study itself describing the crime and doesn't have to lower itself to detail the depravity that the Rishayim felt. There's nothing for us to learn from that. And therefore the Torah doesn't focus on how bad Rishayim were. There's nothing for us to gain from reading the story of a sinful life. But the point that we can learn from what we learn to avoid, what we warned about as something which could be the catalyst to make a person into a Rasha, that's what the Torah describes. Because that's what the Torah serves, so to speak, to educate us as a means of showing us how a band mid, a run rampant, can be the catalyst of a Rasha. And with that introduction, it's an amazing thing to think about. That same black day in Esau's life, the day that he committed so many extremely severe averes, the Torah doesn't say one bad word about him. And afterwards, he's painted as being the victim who comes home and is on the verge of collapse, and he agrees to sell his Bukhari because he desperately needs food. And if we read the whole incident in the Torah, Word by word. There's only one negative comment leveled at Asaph. And that is in the conclusion. After Asaph is finished eating, it says, It says, He ate, he drank, He got up and he went, Asaph was Mavazah the Bukhara. He despised it. That's the only negative word we find mentioned about Asaph. And we need to understand why if the Torah is looking so to speak to criticize Asaph, is this the only point of criticism that the Torah makes? That Asaph despised the Bukhara. And we need to understand that the Torah is highlighting the root of Asaph's downfall. What is it? What's so bad? about the fact that he despised the Bukhara. And it's interesting, this word Vayivez, and he despised, only comes one other time in Tanakh. And that's in the story of Haman. Haman became Prime Minister, Haman issued an edict that everyone has to bow down to him, and everybody does except Mordechai. And when it's brought his attention that Mordechai is not bowing down to him, so the Pasuk says that Haman planned revenge against the whole Jewish people. Why? Because Vayivez Ba'inov, Vishlayach Yod Mordechai Levado. 
he just he looked down on just attacking Mordechai personally. He felt that was beneath him. It was degrading for him to just attack Mordechai. And therefore, instead of plotting revenge on Mordechai, the individual, he decided he's rather going to annihilate the entire Jewish people. And there also we find the Russian Vayivist. And the Midrash notices this. And the Midrash notices this and says Hashem called him. He said, Bozui ben Bozui. Palmer, the descendant of Esau, you were Mavazir like Esau was Mavazir. And we have to understand, what's this middle which we find exhibited in both Esau and Haman? And why did it lead to their undoing? So let's first see the Sharish of the middle. We find two Mishnahists in Pilkavos in the beginning of the fourth parak from Benazai. The one, the one mission says, Heverot the mitzvah kalo. Run for a small mitzvah just like a big mitzvah. Don't differentiate. If you have the opportunity to do a mitzvah, don't wear up. This is a big mitzvah. It's more worth my while. That's a small mitzvah. I can afford to overlook that. Don't. Don't differentiate between mitzvahs. Run to do every mitzvah the same. And then the second Mishnah Benazai says, Altahi boz l'chol adam. Don't, never despise another person. What's the principle Benazai is trying to teach us? And why is actually the case? If there are, we are ranking mitzvahs as big mitzvahs and small mitzvahs. And we're going to consider some mitzvahs as bearing more reward maybe than others. So why, why shouldn't a person put more effort or more intent into those mitzvahs which are considered big mitzvahs? It's indicative, but it's not even as I said, there aren't big mitzvahs or small mitzvahs. He seems to agree with the fact that there are bigger mitzvahs and smaller mitzvahs. He just says a person shouldn't focus on the big mitzvahs to the exclusion of the small ones. And if that's the case, why not? And Mephoshim said the Yisad. And they say that a person has to look beyond ranking a mitzvah one way or the other. There's something else to understand here. And that is, HaKadosh Baruch gives the person opportunities to do mitzvahs. And if that's the case, the person shouldn't be looking at how big or small the mitzvah is. If Hashem gave an opportunity to do it, then it's an opportunity for him to use. And if Hashem gave him a big opportunity, he should make the most of a big opportunity. If Hashem gave him a small opportunity, don't look lightly at opportunities given to you by Hashem. Make the most of that too. And that's a yesod. It's a yesod in our Munah. That's HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us opportunities in that. He sets up the occasions for that you can utilize to do mitzvahs to grow. And if a person takes the mindset that everything which occurs is something which HaKadosh Baruch Hu has planned for him, so then he can make the most of every opportunity. But if a person feels that if this is worth my while, that's not worth my while, then it's really looking at life as what's Kadai for me and not Kadai for me. And not seeing it in terms of if something's offered to me, it's a Kodesh Baruch who's making it available. And therefore, if a person doesn't understand that, so he'll never lose an opportunity to do a mitzvah. It's an opportunity created especially for him from Hashem. And if that's the first rule, then we can understand the second rule also. The second mission of Ben Azai 
Alti Baz Adam. Never despise another person. Because it's also not by chance. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu orchestrates that you meet somebody, it's not by chance. There's something to you for, you, for you to gain from that encounter. It could be you can learn chesed. It could be you can learn something. It could be in the future there's something to be gained from knowing this person. But every human being that a person comes into contact with, is introduced to, to never be mevazahim. Never say that this was meaningless, this was for nothing. There was no need for it. If a Kaddish Baruch Hu planned something for a person, then to be mevazah is either saying that what a Kaddish Baruch Hu did was unnecessary. And that's the underlying middah of a person who's mevazah. Someone who ridicules. Somebody who regards things as insignificant, meaningless, is really considering what HaKadosh Baruch did as meaningless. Let's give an example. You know, I'm not much of a mechanic. If I ever tried to fix my car, I know that anything that comes out has to go back in again. If I'm going to take out bolts or screws or various unidentified pieces and think, eh, I don't think that's important. I'm sure I can manage without it. You'll understand that I'm being crazy. Why? Because it's a very basic principle we start with. And that is if the manufacturer put this piece in, it wasn't for nothing. It's doing something. And if that's the case, I can't afford just to say, well, I'm sure it's just an unnecessary appendage. I'll leave it out. It wasn't put there for nothing. If it was there, it's doing a job. And if we understand it when it comes to things that people do, if I have a do-it-yourself kit, and I find these odd-shaped pieces of metal, I don't know what they're doing, I'm not going to just throw them out and say, they're probably there for nothing. They must be doing something. Why were they put into the package? And if we understand it by people, we have to understand that that's true by HaKadosh Baruch even more so. When HaKadosh Baruch is doing something, it's there for a reason. You know, doctors used to have the, the approach that they understand everything. And in their pride, if there's something they didn't understand in the body, they just ruled it out, unnecessary. We can remove people's tonsils, appendix, any other part of the body that they, in their so-called wisdom, thought was an useless appendage. That's called being mavazah. It's meaningless, it's for nothing. It's unnecessary. And it took years until I began to understand that things Hashem does aren't for nothing. If Hashem put it there, it has a job to play. So that doesn't just define the mitzvahs that Hashem gave us to do. It doesn't just define, so to speak, what HaKadosh Baruch Hu created as part of us. But it also defines the opportunities that Hashem gives us regarding other people. It's not for nothing that that same day when Esau said, let's din time, that Esau said that there's no judge, there's no justice. So Esau becomes a kofer. And therefore, Esau was mevazah the Bechir. It's true he was born first, that he had the rights to be the oldest and do the avoid that the Bechir was meant to do, but Esau was mevazah. 
it's insignificant. You can afford to give it up. What's the punishment for someone who's mevazim? Let's look what happens to Esav at the end of this week's Pasha. Yitzchak is reaching the end of his life and he wants to bestow the brachas that he got from Abraham Avinu to Esav. Why Esav? Esav is the Bechor. So he calls an Esav, instructs him what to do in order to entitle him to the brachas. And then, as we know, Yaakov gets the brachas. And at that stage, we would stop Esav and ask him, Esav, a question for you. Do you really believe you were entitled to the brachas? You know that the brachas were meant to be given to the firstborn, to the Bechar. Yitzchak thinks you the Bechar. Yitzchak doesn't know about the private transaction you made with Yaakov. But Esav, you remember you sold the Bechar. So you've lost the right to get the brachas. So if that's the case, why do you... Why are you now disappointed? It was your choice. When they are disappointed, we find the tremendous expression of grief. Esau was beside himself. Esau was distraught. Esau realized that by losing the brachas, he had really lost his ability to be the continuation of the obvious. And he had no further place in the, in the course of history. And he says, "Hachi karash ma Yaakov, vayakveni zepamayim." He took my bechor and I took my bracha. He has complaints on Yaakov. Yaakov stole the bechor. He sold it willingly. It was an agreement. But it's only now that Esav looks back and realizes what he lost when he sold the bechor. And it's only now, in the hindsight, Esav experiences the suffering, the pain, the grief of what he lost when he carelessly said, yeah, take the Bukhara, it's meaningless to me. And it has to be like that. It has to be like that. Because the Mirakana Gidmira, for someone who's Mavaza, who considers, yeah, Hashem made me the Bukhara, but it's just meaningless, I don't care about it. You'll be shown how much you care. HaKadosh Baruch will orchestrate things that you'll wake up and understand how much you lost that on by not appreciating what you have. That's the lesson of Esau. And the same thing happened to Haman. Haman is descendants. Haman was also the Mavazah. Haman decided to take on the whole Jewish people and he was successful. He got the king to pass the edict when letters went out, everything was going according to schedule. And then, and then Haman sees Mordechai. And Haman's convinced that he shouldn't just wait until the edict comes into effect, he wants to kill Mordechai now. As opposed to trying to attack the Jewish people collectively, Haman decides to focus on destroying Mordechai as an individual. And he builds a tree, he makes the gallows for Mordechai. He goes to the king, for permission to kill Mordechai. And that's where Haman's career crashes. And that's where the beginning of the end is for Haman. At that meeting with the king, he's made to lead Mordechai in the procession and honor him. 
he comes back from that event and his wife Zeresh tells him you should know if Mordechai is from the Jews you fall into him you might have been successful in your campaign against the Jews but you fall into Mordechai Mordechai is more powerful than you and once again Haman was led to his death on the very tree made for Mordechai his last feeling was that regret he was Mavazim Mordechai Mordechai isn't a worthy opponent he should rather take on something bigger Mordechai doesn't count and again he dies with the last feeling look how wrong he was it was Dafka Mordechai that brought down brought about Haman's downfall that led to his destruction once again the punishment of the Mavazim someone who considers things to be a mikra, to be happened by random chance with no meaning. So he's shown. He's shown how much it was meaningful. How much he lost that by not taking the opportunity that he had. And let's go to one more example of this. And this week's after. The Aftar is the beginning of the words of the Novi Malachi. And the Khara we don't see a connection. He starts off by saying the Esav and Yaakov are brothers and Hashem loves Yaakov, he hates Esav. And then he says, To you the Karnim, who mevazim eshmi. And you asked, What do we do to disgrace you, to insult you? He says, We don't take that word seriously. When you have the Korbanus and you make light of it and you can do the Avodah's Beis HaMikdash and you do it irreverently. You bring Mavazah the Beis HaMikdash. You bring Mavazah the Korbanus. You bring Mavazah the Avodah. These were the Kainim who were being warned that that attitude of being Mavazah the Avodah not appreciating it as an opportunity Hashem gave them as Kainim not appreciating the opportunity Hashem gave them as the Beis HaMikdash then they got. Then, as always, the ownership of being mavazah is it was taken away from them. The Bach says that the reason why the Yavanim, the Greeks, came in the time of Hanukkah, and it took away the avoda. They prevented us from entering the Beis Hamikdash. They stopped the korbanos. Was because of our attitude to the korbanos. And only then we could look back. The Kohanim could look back. And regret the way that they were mevazah the avoda. Regret that they didn't utilize the opportunity to bring carbonus when they had it. And it was only when there was enough regret that they were willing to fight to get it back again, that's when we were able to take back from the, the basically that's from the Greeks. And that's the, so to speak, the continuation of the Haftarah. Hashem shows us, Yaakov and Esau, I love Yaakov and I hate Esau. This was Esau's mistake. This is what the Torah circles, so to speak, out of all the various Esau did, as the one which led to his undoing. And if that's the case, then Hashem turns to the Kohenim and He says, you're repeating the mistake of Esau. By being Mavazah, what Hashem prepared for you to do. By being Mavazah, the position Hashem put you in as Kohenim. It's like Esau was Mavazah the Bechirah. 
by being mevazer the avoider. It's like Esav was mevazer his opportunity to be to to bring the kabbonis as a bechor. And look what happened to Esav. Look how much he cried for what he realized later on he lost by being mevazer the bechor. And that's the message to the kohen. The kohenim kunire only learned after Hanukkah. After it was taken away from them, and they realized then what they lost, and they had to fight to get it back. But if we're looking to the characters of Tanakh as opportunities to learn, then that's a lesson for us too. The Koyach Hashem gave us, the health Hashem gave us, the life Hashem gave us, the opportunities to do mitzvahs Hashem gave us, the people which we brought into contact with. Everything is orchestrated, everything's planned. And everything is there for a reason. And as my minimum we know, we're never going to be mevazim. Everything a Kodesh Baruch Hu does is part of the plan for us. All the parts have to fit. Like Benazai says, on the one hand, Alti Boz Never despise another person. If he was put into your life, there was a reason for that. And at the same time, Heverotz Lemitzvakala. Never overlook an opportunity Hashem gives you. Because that's the difference between the person who utilizes his opportunities and he can look back and see how much he's grown. To the person who's mevazah them. And will look back one day, but when he realizes how much he really lost.